Welcome to this podcast by Global Church. We are a church planting movement wanting to reach cities from here to everywhere, one to everyone. If you want to find out more information, check out our website on www.globalchurch.co.uk. So we have a, 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 as I train me, me, me preachers in church, I used to say, I want you to be a, a cross between a, a preacher and a, a comedian in a working men's club. But I've refined it over, over the years, and so it's now three. This is what we should embody as communicators. Is anybody out there listening to me? Yeah. It's good. So you can join. It's one of them, just like karaoke church, you can join in if you want. But if you don't agree, don't go, I don't agree, because we've got bouncers on the doors. They will take you out. But, um, so what we need as communicators, we need... We need to be, um, if we're going to minister to people as preachers, this is what I said to me preachers, we need to be like in the tradition of the, the Old Testament prophets. And the Old Testament prophets would stand in the presence of God. That was their, their, their full-time job. Whatever they did, that was their thing. And they would hear from God. And they would uncompromisingly go and speak to God's people, God's word. Yeah. Because God knows that we compromise. Then we go, yeah, I know it's, and, and we're all talkers. It's not just me that's a talker, we are all talkers. We tell ourselves stories and we allow our, ourselves to compromise and some, sometimes we drift. And if we drifted in a, in, a, in a big fashion, we would notice it, but we don't. We move by inches till eventually you get to a point and you think, what am I doing here? How, how did I get here? And it's because you drifted moment by moment, inch by inch. And the Old Testament prophet would come and he'd say, repent. That was usually his message. Turn around. Stop thinking the way you're thinking. Come back to what God's word says and get clear thinking, get clarity of thought. And not only that, when you read or hear God's word, life and energy enters you. Yeah. Daniel the prophet said, I heard his word and strength entered my body. And we get weary in life and so we compromise and we can't be bothered. But the prophet says, that's not good enough. Because if you want the kind of life that God's got for you, you need to line up with God's word. And God loves us so much that he doesn't leave us the way we are. He accepts us as we are, but he doesn't leave us as we are. So the tradition of the Old Testament prophet is, is straight talk. And it's, and it's, but it's, it's powerful and life-affirming. But then what you need is the life coach. The life coach deals with your BS. You all know that we're full of BS, don't you? belief systems <laughs> belief systems that shape our actions yeah, yeah. and we have to check our belief systems because yeah. we all believe something yeah. and, um, and, and so you need a life coach that can come and say if you, if you think down this avenue long enough you'll be able to break certain thought patterns in your life so you need a life coach that's, that's going to take on board what the Hebrew prophet says and he's going to say, this is how you order your thinking. Because we need somebody to help us with the viruses in our mind. If you've got a virus on your computer, it's a nightmare. Oh, we care more about that, that computer than we do about our minds sometimes, don't we? I've got to get it sorted. I've just got to get, my life's dead. My computer's dead. I can't use it. And so you get the viruses sorted out. We need the viruses in our minds sorted out. Fear is a virus. It's cousin stress is a virus. It's other cousin, an ugly cousin called worry. It's all fear-based. Yeah. I can't is fear-based. Yeah. And we live such shrunken lives. So we need to be like a life coach. But then we also need to be like a comedian. Yeah. 
So we'll do our best. You need a comedian. Why? Because comedians give you perspective. Because life gets intense. I come from the next town to Peter Kay. He once came to our town. <laughs> small town called Darwin. And he walks in and he goes, give me six. Very cheeky. Very cheeky. So when Peter Kay first came on the scene, honestly, if you had to have come to Global, we were all going, can you hear me now? <laughs> can you hear me? Patrick, Patrick, can you hear me now? Peter Kay's an absolute legend, but you need somebody like him. Lee Mack. Lee Evans. Lee Evans is intense, isn't he? Goodness me, he sweats for Britain. But you need somebody like that where you just sit down, all of a sudden you've forgotten the stress and the worry, and somebody that just takes your mind off it and makes you laugh. And here's the other thing, makes you laugh at yourself. And, and sometimes in global, when I've got some things to bring that are like tough, I get everybody laughing, we're all laughing. While they're laughing, I'm pulling their teeth. <laughs> anyway, that's what we try to do. So I, I encourage our communicators to, to, to be the, the, in the tradition of the Old Testament prophet, bringing truth, honoring truth. Because truth never changes, our emotions do. We blend everything just so that in our mind, just so that we can accommodate everybody and everything. And not everything is true. And society tries to make us believe certain things and they try to make us accept certain things. And we've got to test, is that true? Because truth never lies down. You can win an argument, but truth will stand back up. You can kill the visionary, but you can't kill the vision. And, and so on and so forth. Anyway, so we've been looking at strong faith. Because for too long the church has been trying to believe the right things, which is good, but that's only half of the story. And honestly, it's often the boring half. Yeah. And that is getting your beliefs sorted out about who God is. That God is three in one, his Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. How do you work that out? You know, Jesus existed before he came as a baby in the manger. He came in the form of an anthropomorphic visitation of the invisible God. And if you can understand that, please come and tell me what it means afterwards. <laughs> but he existed in the Old Testament. We can't even get our heads around that. The Bible says God knows what's on your tongue before you even think about what you're going to say. Well, how can he... Because we're stuck. We are bound with science, which is brilliant. My wife's a midwife. And scientific discoveries have helped women have babies that in the, in the past, they would have just died. Simple things like the baby's too big and would get stuck and we can't get it out. So we never knock science. Science is great, but it's just not enough. Logic's great. Who loves a logical thinker sometimes? I'm just a bit like scatty. You know, even when I'm writing my, my notes, I see a squirrel through the window. And I'm away with a squirrel. I'm like, that's genius. How does it keep? And it spins around on this washing line. I get nothing done. Shelly comes in, she, my wife, she closes curtains, and I went, oh, it's that time, is it? She goes, no, get some work done. <laughs> squirrels. She hasn't got a clue, she thinks I'm under pressure. I'm not under pressure. All I can hear is, dum, dum, da, da, dum, da, da, dum, 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 I'm away with the fairies. <laughs> so I've been talking about having strong faith. So getting your belief system, so is Jesus just a man, or did he have more to offer than that? Of course he did. He was God Almighty, come in the flesh. And John gets the closest to it in his gospel right in the beginning. It says, in the beginning, meaning like right back in Genesis, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Yeah. And so Jesus is the creator. Yeah. And then the creator comes to his creation. 
you'd have thought that there'd have been a fanfare. You'd have thought everybody would be going, wow, this is amazing. He heals the eyes of the blind. He cleanses the leper. What did we do to him? Nailed him to a cross. It's a really strange thing. You try to do good and see what opposition you get. Why do we slag the NHS off so much when it's trying to do good? But I'm just saying, when, when you try to do good, like the police, why would you attack a fire engine and, and fire, a fire crew who's trying to put a fire out? Yeah. Who, wh- why would you do that? That is the strangest thing to come out of our nation, I think, one of the strangest. And the police trying to do a job. You try, try to do the, uh, the job of a policeman, a policewoman. It's awful. But people trying to do good. I know there's good and bad in everything, but I'm just, generally speaking, these things are good, but we attack them. And it's very strange. But anyway, getting your belief system sorted out. Jesus, the creator, comes to his creation. It's like he's the undercover boss. Who's ever watched that? Or are you all at work? Is it just me? <laughs> the undercover boss is fantastic. And he goes undercover. They're in, they're in with the, they're, they're, they're trying to sort out the company. And they're like, is this a good company to work for? And they're wanting it to be good. And at the end, all the, uh, the, the different individuals, they bring them in. And, and now he or she, the CEO of the business, is there, and there's no moustache, they're in the suit, and uh, then they look at the performance, ouch, for some of them. For others, it's promotion. What does that sound like? Oh, right. <laughs> that sounds like Judgment Day, doesn't it? And it is Judgment Day for them. And Jesus, the undercover boss, comes, and he came to that which was his own, but his own received him not. He came to the Jewish nation. God had put his blessing on the Jewish nation and from the Jewish nation we were meant to receive the promises of God, the goodness of God, the riches of God. But they kept it to themselves. And God had many times, if you read the Old Testament, he had to rebuke them and he had to remind them that there are Gentile nations containing a superb town called Darwin in Lancashire. (laughs) And that we were meant to take the good news to them. And so I'm just saying... Getting your thinking system, getting your belief system's good. But it's, it's, it's important then that we use our faith in life. So it's not enough to be orthodox in your view, believing the right things. It's like, so what? Even the devil believes in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. He's neither going to heaven, he don't behave like Jesus, and he's not a nice character. So he's, he, what he believes doesn't change his character. And that's what many believers are like. They believe all the right things. They can tell everybody else about the right things. But there's no inward change. Why? Because they're stuck with just believing the right things. And that's academic thought, really and truly. It's just simple academics. But for your faith to work, you've got to mix truth and faith. Or let me put it another way. way. Truth and trust. So Hebrews chapter... No, let me... Uh, sorry, there's three people in here having an argument. The comedian's really funny, actually, as I'm listening to him. The Old Testament prophet saying, get on with it. And then the life coach is saying, let me have a go, let me have a go. I can sort them out. <laughs> Numbers chapter 13. Send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites from each ancestral tribe. Send one of its leaders. So 12 spies went out to spy the land. And this is the land that God had promised to give to his people. They'd come out of slavery, 400 and odd years of slavery in Egypt, and God had brought them out with his his powerful hand. 
And they went through the Red Sea and their enemies came after them. The Red Sea just folded over them. God parted it and then closed it up. And God will become an enemy to your enemies. It's an amazing thing. They came out uh, of Egypt and God says, I'm gonna, you're, you're a chosen people. I'm going to put you into a chosen place, a chosen land. And so he gives them the Ten Commandments to just reveal his character and to show them, to give them boundaries about their life. And how many of you know you can't keep the Ten Commandments? There's nobody here ever kept them. I used to do surveys on the street saying, uh, have you ever kept the Ten Commandments? They go, yeah. I'm going, do you know them? No. So <laughs> you want me to go through them? So we go through them. And then they said, well, you can't keep them all. And I said, so how many should we keep? And someone said, well, I think you should keep two. You should keep one. You should keep three. Oh, that's a good one. No, keep that one in. And it's funny what we think we should do. And, but God's, God's commands were meant to show his character. His character is perfect. And so then, when we think, how can I engage with perfection? It should say to you, you can't. It's an impossibility. So we need an intermediary. We need somebody that's going to cross the divide between his perfection and our imperfection. Jesus Christ, when he died on the cross, took the hand of humanity and the hand of God, his Father, and he reconciled us. He brought us back together. Now you can get to know what the Father's like, and he's not just breathing fire from heaven. He's on fire for you. He's not mad at you. He's mad about you. That's our message in Global. It's fantastic. And God wanted to, to be, do good to his people, and he got properties lined up, and he said, you're going to walk into properties that you didn't pay for or build. Who'd like one of them? He said, it's going to be a land flowing with milk and honey. You keep the honey, but, you know, lattes and stuff like that, they're coming handy. So, you know, you, 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 he says, there's going to be olive groves that you didn't plant. There's going to be grapes and stuff like that. Grapes, what do grapes make? What a great place. God is, God is a bundle of fun, and we don't even see it in the Bible. When he says, I've got, I've got like orchards and, 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 and oodles and acres of, of grape land for you, what is, he, what is he trying to suggest there? And it takes a really good theologian to get hold of that and turn it into Vimto. <laughs> wasn't really wine. It was, it was Vimto that they drank. You know, the, the wedding of Cana. They ran out of wine. And, and Jesus' mother, a typical mother, comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, I've run out of wine. He said, why do you involve me? And I don't want to go into the reason why he spoke like that. He wasn't disrespectful to his mother. But there was a change of dynamic going on in the relationship. I haven't time to go into that. But I'm just saying... He said, get six stone, stone water jars. I think of these little stone water jars that you get a trade craft fair. No, no, no. These held gallons in each one. In fact, somebody did the math on this, and they said it would have filled a Luton van full of wine. And you know, Jesus said, go and take, go and take some of that wine to the, 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 the leader of ceremonies. So he did, and the leader of ceremonies taken it, and he goes, this is incredible. He says, you know, what usually happens is you put the good wine out first, then when everyone's a little bit wobbly, you bring all the rubbish, you know, stuff out afterwards. And he says, but this is, he says, I've never tasted wine like this before. He goes, you've saved the best till last. He didn't know where it came from. Why would Jesus not just produce wine, but really top quality? Let's say the toppest quality. I'm from Darwin. The <laughs> toppest quality wine. The party had stopped. What does Jesus want to do? Keep the party Who's ever heard a preach from a preacher about, you know, keep the party going as a title, Seth? <laughs> we don't just preach it. We actually demonstrate. 
Why have we changed the Bible into such ugliness when it's full of such good news? Of course God's not into drunkenness and stuff like that because you make bad choices. But the Bible does talk about wine that gladdens the heart of man. And because I'm a preacher, I like to say, well, it's wine, it could be wine. It could be lager. <laughs> it could be shots. <laughs> Too much there, pull it back. Okay, so Moses does what God says, and he sends 12 men, and it gives us the name of the men. And then uh, verse 17, it says, Then Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan, and he said to them, Get up, go up through the Negev into the hill country, see what the land is like, and whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many. What kind of land do they live in? Is it good or bad? What, what kind of towns do they live in? Are they unwalled or fortified? How is the soil? Is it fertile or poor? This is an agricultural uh, nation. Well, time as well. Are there trees in it or not? Do your best to bring back some of the fruit. Verse 21, so they went up and explored uh, the land from the desert of Zin, as far as, I'm thinking, these are funny names. Verse 22, they went up through the Negev and came to Hebron, where I, uh, and they brought some, here we go, verse Verse 23, when they reached the valley of Eshkol, they cut off a branch bearing a single, everyone says single, a single cluster of grapes. Two of them carried it on a pole between them. That's an awesome cluster of grapes. I go on your open market, you know, and I get, a, 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 I think that's big. If it goes something like that, you know, and you're like, wow, that, that'll last us for a week, easy. But it took two men to carry one cluster of grapes. This land is fertile and good. If nothing else, they can have a good night out at some stage. So two of them carried on a pole between them, along with some pomegranates and figs. That place was called the Valley of Eshkol because of the cluster of grapes the Israelites cut off there. At the end of 40 days, 40 in the Bible represents testing. And at the end of of, of 40 days, they were testing the land, seeing what it's like. They returned from exploring the land. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. And they gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But... Everyone said but. but. We've all got a but. But the people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw the descendants of Anak there. They, these were giants descended from the Nephilim. And, um, you know, King David would fight one of them later on. Or David the shepherd boy. But the people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw giants. The Amalekites live in the Negev, the Hittites, the Jebusites and the Amorites. They live in the hill country and the Canaanites live near the sea along the Jordan. So they're giving him uh, feedback. Then Caleb gets up and he silenced the crowd. Caleb's about 40 years old at this stage. And he gets up and he silenced uh, uh, the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. That's a different ball of thought just being rolled in there. 
But the men who had gone with him said, we can't attack these people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak. And uh, uh, the descendants of Anak came from uh, the Nephilim. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And we look the same to them. How did they know that? That's how, that was their self-image. And because they, look, they dealt, they lived with the, 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 the belief systems that they had, we can't do this. And yet, two of the guys, Caleb and Joshua, they both contradicted and said, yes, there are giants in the land. If you read the next chapter, yes, there are giants in the land. Yes, there's a, yeah, 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 yeah. But God has given it into our hand. And God is with us. And the protection around them, this is their words in the next chapter, the protection has dissolved. And it takes a spiritual eye to, deceive, uh, to, to discern that. It takes a, somebody who knows what to look for in battle to know that their protection had gone. And it doesn't take much in York. You know, if, if we had to go back in the old days, if you look at our city walls now, they've all been breached. Yeah? There's, you can get in from any direction you want. So we'd be useless for the old kind of old-fashioned battle but in the old days when it was a city with walls it would have been absolutely watertight and you know when something's in, in, impregnable and something that you, know, you can say like you know what the defenses are rubbish we can we can breach them we can go in and take possession of the land so why didn't they and they didn't just one simple thing they listened to fear not faith and i've been teaching us about how to use your faith uh, for you, for, for how God intended faith to work for you. Not you working for it, doing all the study to try and believe all the right things. That's good, not knocking it, but it's not good enough because even the devil believes them things. What we need is a faith that when you, when you start to, 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 to earn money, which we all hopefully do, what, when you start to earn money, how do you handle that money? How do you use that? How do you multiply that money? When you go into relationships, how do you handle relationships? Yeah. Well, they said this to me, and nobody's ever spoken to me like that, and I'm cutting them off now. They're no longer part of my family. Well, it sounds brave and all that, lot, but it's a lot of rubbish. Yeah. We have to learn, and we have to use our faith. Who's ever been offended by anybody? Yeah. And it's like, goodness me. So we use that offense now against them. Faith can actually cut through all that. Faith can actually look at what somebody said or the actions that somebody's done and said, I don't really get it, I don't agree with it, but you know what, I'm not you. And where I'm strong, in that area where I saw your weakness, I'm strong. What about the areas where I'm weak and you're strong? How pathetic do I look then? What I don't want is condemnation. What I want is understanding. I don't want to be let off the hook, particularly. I want somebody to come alongside and say, that were a bit daft. But let's get a plan together. And faith can move mountains. And God had promised these people that they were going to go into this land and it was a good land. God is a good God. Yeah. And there's a lot of propaganda going out about God saying he's a bad God. He, you know, he gave my, me, me, me a relative cancer. God took them at an early age. Why did God allow this? Have you ever considered that there might be a devil? Well, no, that's just a Man United fan with a pitchfork. No, 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 no. Yeah. Think of a businessman from Russia. We have pinstripe suit, suit on. Somebody who knows 
how to break up families, knows how to get hold of your life and break you down. And he's been watching you since you were a baby and he's been doing this for centuries and he knows just how to press your buttons. We were at a conference yesterday, one woman got up and she said, I've been restricted and this guy's trying to, he was a, a great communicator and he just said, what is it? What, what, what's the dominating thought? And uh, she just said, I used to get A's and stuff like that and everything, but in maths, I got a D. And his dad was good at maths. And he said, you know what D stands for? And she'd lived under that one word. Years and years and years. And even as she was telling us, the pain of it was still there. You'll know that there's pain in your heart when you start to relive a story and you get angry again. All that anger, it's not been dealt with. When that anger rises up, who's ever had that? And our sometimes it's not anger it's just like overwhelming it's just it upsets you and you know that's not been dealt with and I want to say today that there is more with Jesus than just bland theology believing the right things God wants to put a pulse back into us he wants to put a heartbeat that's strong and that's where we use our faith and we start to use our faith for the things in life that we need in relationships we have you know part of our uh, value system downstairs well done team (laughs) joking part of our value system is real relevant relational and robust because too many people are easily offended have you ever met a person you say something they go i take offense at that everyone wants to take offense i said where are you going to put it (laughs) they want to take offense And, and you're just like easily offended you know jesus said blessed are the easygoing and, you know, that's my interpretation. He said, blessed are the meek. Meek people are the best people to be around. My wife's meek. Because meekness isn't weakness, it's strength restrained. Yeah. Our power restrained. Yeah. Jesus on the cross, he looked weak. No, that's meek. He knew, he said before he went to the cross, I can call on 10,000 angels. If you read your Old Testament, one angel put 185,000, an army of 185,000 to death in one day. That's one angel. Jesus said, I can call on 12 legions of angels. This is my Father's will. Because the Bible says God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not counting men's sins against them. This is awesome stuff. And when you find forgiveness, you find absolute new life, a new lease of life. And meekness at the cross, you look at it, and it's power restrained. Jesus laughing. You You never hear preachers talking about Jesus he must have been, he got invited to parties when was the last time a pastor of a church or a vicar or a priest got invited to a party except like oh we, we have to we should do it shocked me when I became a Christian because I saw church leaders and Christians coming to parties and parties started at 7.30 it's a Christian thing this the uninitiated everything starts at 7.30 we have baked potatoes we have, we have quiche and we have salad Anyway, <laughs> and what, what, what happens at parties is, come 9.30, and everybody brings a bottle because they're like out there, hey, there's a bottle of wine, hey, aren't we, aren't we down with the kids? So they come and they bring a bottle, and they said, do you want a glass of wine? Oh, just, just a small one. And then they drink it, and after about two hours, about 9.30, it's like,
I'm just going out. <laughs> I'm thirsty for going home. And I, I thought, goodness me, I'm never going to survive as a Christian because I come from the nightclubbing background. I was never brought up in church. It was a lovely party. I'd love to, I'd love to have had the mind I've got now then just to put my hand up and stop them from going out. Well, if it's been so good, are we dancing? No life, no energy. Now, you might think I'm putting out there to drink a lot and all that lot. And I'm not. <laughs> liar, liar, pants are on fire. No, I'm joking. What I'm trying to say is, for too long, we've been held back and, and, and uh, identified by what we don't do, not what we do do. And we build communities. And in this community, many people, many young people, have started to get deposits for houses in York, you know, York's, you know, it's getting as bad as London, really. You know, you need about 30 grand deposit. And when young people have come to us as, and the leadership and this sort of saying, um, we're just going to keep rent on going, no, 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 it's dead money. We've got to find a way. Come on, exercise faith. Let's start to believe. Now, that, now then, number one, have you gone to the bank of mum and dad? Because God really uses that bank. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we did that. My mum and dad are like, no, 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 you've no chance. Right, have you been to, what about grandma and granddad? <laughs> have you got any friends? And, and we work it through, and do you know something? So many have started to, to just cobble just enough. The feel of it doesn't feel like, if I had to tell you the story, it's like, yeah, they got the deposit. It's like, wow, that's amazing. It's not as easy as that. It's a, it's a five grand from here with a kind of, but I want it back, and a, a ten grand from here, and it's like, now be careful, and you know, you have, to, you have to be a bit more robust. Yeah. But they've got deposits for houses. And that has been an amazing thing. Why? Because they've been using the faith to receive what God's got for them. People going for jobs. And, you know, I can never get promotion, never get promotion. Just say, can I be honest with you? I mean, my leadership, we are honest. We're kind, but we are honest. And we're like saying, but you are grumpy. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody said to me, do you ever wake up grumpy? I said, I do, but sometimes I let her lie in. <laughs> I just lost half of you there. <laughs> Timing's everything. We were doing all right, weren't we, till then? So it's like, so giving them feedback and helping them so that when they go for interviews, and instead of going, I'll never get this job, nobody in my family has ever got this kind of a job, I will never make it. And then they go, and we say, no, have faith, turn it around. Jesus said, as you believe, it will happen to you. If you'll not doubt in your heart, deal, deal with the subconscious mind. I haven't time to go into it now. The party killer's started. All right, all right. <laughs> Everyone give Louise a round of applause. I always put pain in the world every Sunday morning. Well, at least when I'm on. But... Um, you know, your subconscious mind, you know the difference between your conscious mind, your subconscious mind, your conscious mind says, I'm going to, have a, I'm going to start a diet come January 1st. Your subconscious mind goes, no, you're not. <laughs> you're not going nowhere, sunshine. <laughs> but then pies come out, we're, we're in. And so you have to deal with your subconscious mind. Psychology has been a great thing, a great help to faith and to help us to understand how we're hardwired by God the Creator. And uh, it's, it's such an amazing thing. You know, a great, a great uh, psychologist, I think he was a psychologist, a psychoanalyst, Carl Jung, he said this. 
he talked about a cosmic aloneness. And he said, he said, you can be in, in a world full of people, you can even be in a loving family, you can even have great relationships, but you will experience in your heart, I'm on my own in this universe. Yes, I've got loved ones, I've got friends, people who love me, people that I love and bring a lot of meaning into my life. But ultimately, in those moments, in those moments of decision, in those moments of crisis in life, in those moments of, of amazing things happen, there's a part of you that's on your own. And that part of you was never meant to be alone. That's what got lost in the Garden of Eden. When God said to Adam and Eve, Don't, you can eat from any of these trees, gazillion trees, and they're all good for, for your health and everything like that. They're all vegan trees. And he said, but one tree you mustn't eat from, and that is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, because in that day you will surely die. Well, they ate from that tree, and you know what? They didn't die physically. They died spiritually. And then a God-shaped gap was created in the whole of humanity. And it's not you don't know it really until you return back to the Creator. And you open your heart and you say, God, if you're real, come in. I did that at 19 years old. A bit rough and ready, a bit raw around the edges. But that God-shaped gap got filled with God himself. A new confidence came into my life. A new direction came into my life. A new morality. I could not keep my snake in its cage, I'm telling you, as a teenager. And... Um, so what was the difference, Jesus Christ? I've been married now, for <coughs> next, sorry, on the 1st of March this year, I've been married 33 years. It is, it's an achievement. They should give me a doctorate, never mind a degree for that. And Shelley, they should give her a double doc doctorate. But, um, yeah, I want to say, really, in summing up what I'm trying to say today, is we need to go for more. God's got more for us. It's not about being greedy, it's not about having a fancy watch, a fancy car and all that lot, but it is going for your dreams. And, you know, the trinkets like watches, cars and houses, that's, that's a bit of fun along the way. But people are not remembered because of what they do. Jesus was a carpenter for 30 years. He's not remembered for that. He's remembered for his purpose. He said, I've come, and, I've come to seek and to save that which is lost. You'll never be remembered by the job you do, the career you do, you'll be, unless it's your purpose. And this is my purpose. This is what I live for. This is what I love. I've got properties. I've got business and different things like that that I've, I've had to learn over the years. But I've, I've used my faith to step out and go for my dream. And my dream, I didn't even know it until I was about 35, was to have properties. And when I look back in my life, I realized one day I said to my mum, one day this house will be mine. <laughs> Ship me around and call me a cheeky bugger. Uh, I know it's Sunday. I'm just quoting quoting, relax but I got a house, anyway <laughs> that's the main thing, keep your eye on the ball <laughs> we love people in global, we love this city and we want to spread the gospel, the gospel means good news, we want to spread it around we've started a church in London, we've started one over in Sweden but we're looking, and we're looking for places, why? because we want to bring pockets of community no matter how much we get computerized, people will always want community. There's something deep in our DNA that craves community. And that's one of our strengths as a church. From the team here at Global Church, thank you for listening to this podcast. Please check out our other messages available on the website.